God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a special guest, a dear friend of ours from Niagara Falls, New York, and it's Lou Perez. And he's going to be having just a wonderful chat with us about the deeper things of God and how the presence of God is all that's important. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd like to invite you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and stay tuned. Uh, There's lots of our podcasts that are out there for you to click on, and you can click on our email subscription. There's a button to subscribe to our emails there, and stay up to date with what our events are that are coming up. So thank you so much, Lou Perez, for joining us today. We're just delighted to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be with you guys. I know. We yeah. have had such <laughs> such good times when we were living in Niagara Falls. We yes, just amen. always enjoyed attending your church, Destiny Christian Church. And uh, you're a podcaster yourself. Um, your podcast is Soul Zero Two. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, the Zero Two is for oxygen. And our goal is to restore the oxygen back to the Christian life one soul at a time. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. We, we've, we've listened to several of them, and we really enjoyed it. Um, uh-huh. So you grew up in the Bronx uh, in a Puerto Rican family. Um, how, tell, tell us a little bit about your childhood and, and uh, coming from there and how the Lord came into your life and, and what brought you to this, this kind of uh, love and passion for the Lord. Well, uh, I grew up in Bronx, New York, and uh, and it's really the Bronx. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, and of course, we know that Bronx was a um, it's uh, it's a European term. The the Dutch named it because it, it meant farm. You know, like, mm-hmm. like we're going to go to the farm because the Bronx was a big farm before it was a city. Wow! Didn't know that. And uh, wow. my my father had immigrated from Puerto Rico probably in the forties or fifties. Uh, to find work, he used to pick coffee beans and things like that in Puerto Rico and had a farm. And um, then we were born in New York, my, my two sisters and I. And we're probably third generation Christians. Uh, we, we, on both sides of the family, they were Christians. So I consider it myself and my sisters being children born in the wilderness, mm-hmm. like in the Old Testament, where, where it speaks of that those born in the wilderness were not circumcised. Mm. And they needed that encounter with God. You know, they needed that. They they had the heritage, so to speak, and they had right. the, uh, you know, the, the law, but they, they didn't have the experience with God. And so that's why uh, I had to have my own encounter with God because God has no grandchildren, right? He has only children. Exactly. <laughs> so since I was a kid, you know, God began drawing me and I would find myself at certain times praying, just talking to God and just reading the Bible, even though I didn't understand it. But I believe that when, when you begin doing that, the Holy Spirit will, he begins working in you. Absolutely. And, and starts turning the lights on. And, mm-hmm. and then I went to the Spanish Pentecostal Church, which was very legalistic, that uh, everything was a sin. And it was kind of like a, one of the definitions of legalism as given by the, the uh, Moravians that they considered legalism that, you know, a legalistic person is somebody somewhere in the world is having a good time. 
So, that's, you know, that's, you know. so, so, I, so I grew up like that. <laughs> wow. And so God had to peel off all those layers of, you know, everything that comes with that control and legalism and, and teach me true, true grace in Christ at the same time while, while having true holiness because the, the extreme of grace, as we've seen, and I've seen this as a pastor, is disgrace. When, when people say, well, I could just live as I please and, and I have grace. And so, so it's learning that balance and learning what it means to really follow him in that, in that space. So how did you develop this passion for the Lord that you have? I didn't. He did. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm absolutely convinced that, as the scriptures say, God wills and does in you of his good pleasure. Very true. So he's the one that puts those desires and gifts in us. And uh, unless he draws us, we cannot come. So I'm, I'm sure it's him because yeah. the only thing good inside me is him. Exactly. You know, exactly. so so he he's the one who, and thank God he 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 gives us the opportunity to hunger for him, mm-hmm. and yeah. we don't always want it, <laughs> we don't always chase it, but we need to, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've been following the Lord with passion. Did you did you wind up having any mentors in in that? Yes, you know, my grandfather was a mentor because he was a pastor of uh, Church, Church of God of Prophecy. That was his faith tradition. Okay which I, I never really understood it. I, I should probably look it up at some point, but, um, <laughs> but a very humble man. And, you know, it's mostly Pentecostal, but, you, you know, as long as there's people, we're going to have dis- distinctive doctrines and say, sure. well, yeah. we're going to have the church of this, you know? So my, my grandparents were an influence and when I would go visit them and then my, my sister, she got saved first. And then her and I began seeking the Lord together where we would literally lay in bed all night and pray. Wow. And just pray and say, Lord, fill, fill us with your spirit. And then um, and one night I, I began quaking my whole body, like, you know, like the Quakers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what that was. I was just shaking all over because the presence of God was so strong. Wow. And then uh, and then later on, I spoke in tongues later on. It, you know, I was about 14, maybe, when that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you are a real reader. You're you're one of the more learned people that I ha- like to hang out with, and uh, and and uh, you know you're always quoting people from from the the things that you've been reading. You you're a deeper life guy. Um, what are, what are some of the things that that you have grown in as a result of your reading and and your um, being around people? That you can be deeper life and still be a thinker. Ooh, because I grew up being taught. In Pentecostalism, that the brain is bad, the mind is bad, so we only have the spirit. Mm. But th- then I, I learned that God can't save us unless He transforms our mind, so He needs our mind. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Change, and so that. it's not the mind that's bad; it's the carnal mind that's bad. Yeah, right. So, so there's nothing more powerful, in my opinion, th- than a mind that is anointed by the Holy Spirit to be used of God to think, Good. and right. to write, and to speak. And so, so I, I can read, you know, Andrew Murray, and and I can read Finney. You know, or or Karl Barth, who's a great theologian. You know, and 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 still find Jesus in them because all truth is God's truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you ever actually meet Walter Butler? He was one of the greats of. No, he was before my time. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I did meet you know a couple of the uh, disciples he mentored. Okay, but you know some stories about Walter Butler. Why don't you tell us one or two? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I have an article from from Pinecrest that, that I, I think I got from Floyd uh, 
who ran Pinecrest Bible for a while. But I remember what uh, I read it back in probably in the early 90s when I, when I was first pastoring. And I was getting to kind of know God and to know this deeper life area because I, I kind of like was kind of scattered and I was like a, a, a good Christian, but I, I needed focus. And so one day I, I came across this article by Walter Butler about his presence. And the article talked about how that he uh, went to prayer. Uh, so he went to a hotel room to pray and to seek God and fast and just seek the Lord for, for personal renewal and revival. And he literally prayed 48 hours straight, wow. which is, you know, I, I can't fathom that. It's <laughs> hard to comprehend. And so he, he said in the article that in the, in the 48th hour of prayer, he started to complain to God and say, okay, God, where are you? And he heard a voice saying, you're not patient. <laughs> oh, wow. But then he said that Jesus walked in the room and communed with him and, and, and told him some things. And that's not the end of the article. As soon as Jesus walks in the room, he, he, he gets done with Walter Butler and blesses him and then he leaves. He says within seconds, Satan walks in the room hmm. and tries to steal everything Jesus gave him. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that's one of the great stories I've heard about him. And I think Floyd told me this one, that he would, uh, sometimes God would wake him up in the middle of the night. He would say, I want you to go to the airport and go to Germany. My, My Lord, Lord, just go. And he would go to Germany and, you know, buy his ticket and just go and just, you know, dress kind of poorly because he wasn't planned. And and then he, he'd get there at the main, one of the main airports and he would just be sitting there for three hours. Okay, Lord, what do you want? You know, what's going on? And then a man would sit next to him, and the Lord says, that's your assignment. Hmm. And he would speak to the man and win him to Christ. <laughs> wow. wow. And he was done. Okay, go home. <laughs> that could be a Billy Graham there, you know, sitting next, a future yeah. Billy Graham. So, well, you know, you know I, I think, do we know how sensitive we have to be to God's voice to hear that? Yeah. Right. You know, because the mind is a beautiful thing that God gave us, but it has to be always surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that his wow. thoughts become my thoughts, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's what this podcast is all about. You know, our, our thing that, that we say is that we're contending for the outpouring, which mm -hmm. is a prayer mm -hmm. uh, assignment. Yeah. And we're equipping for the outpouring. And I think this is a real equipping kind of a podcast that we're doing today because, mm -hmm. because the equipment that you get in the presence of God is what qualifies you, or right. I don't like using the word qualify, but it empowers you to be able to engage in the outpouring and be used of God because in His presence, you learn to get out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like uh, Bible school and seminary can give you power, but only the Holy Spirit can give you authority. Ooh, that's good. And we can have power, and you know, uh, and we need power to to displace things and to confront things, but only the Holy Spirit and being with Him gives me the authority to get it done. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's it's a powerful thing to have skill and power, but it's an even more powerful thing to have the authority. You know, um, I heard I heard an old African American preacher once say, in the city, there are those who are sent and those who just went. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, yeah, that's the truth. When you are sent by God. Nothing, nothing can stop you in the sense because you know, like, uh, like uh, David Livingston. You've heard of the the famous yeah. missionary. Uh, the one time he was chased up a tree uh, by a, a lion. True story. Hmm. And he was kind of discouraged, you know, far away from home, and you know, not having a good day. <laughs> it could, it could be someone's happy meal today, 
Yeah. And, uh, and so he's saying he kind of complained to God a little bit, like we all do. And, and he heard God's voice saying to him, you are exactly in the place I've called you to be right now. Wow. And you're in the safest place. Up a tree. <laughs> wow. Because he was safer. And he, he, he said this later, he was safer up that tree than had he remained, you know, safely and cuddled in England somewhere at home. True. That's you true. Know? And and there's something about when God sends you and calls you that he He protects you and he enables yes. you. And he, like, in a sense, you're indestructible until God says you're done. Yeah. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin the other day, and he has a series out there called The Authority of the Believer. Mm -hmm. And he used the example. He says, you look at that policeman out there and you look at all these cars. He said, he doesn't have the power to stop all those cars. They could just, you know, run by him. But he has the authority to do it. Because right. he himself is just a, he's just a man, you know, and he's out there with hand signals and they're obeying him. But, but he has the authority to do that. And he right. says, and that's what we are, you know, we, we don't have that power in ourselves, but we have the authority for, you know, for uh, the power of God to flow through us. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a right. really good scenario. But the idea is that you're deputized and you get deputized right. in the presence. Uh -huh. and, it's in and, relationship. And, right, relationship, right. yeah. The presence is what deputizes you, not, not the systems of, of humanity, you know, of, mm -hmm. of men, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and I say that because, you know, the prophet in me comes out when I talk about these issues that is it possible that a lot of our ministries today and leaders, they have great power, but how much authority do we have mm -hmm. if, if we don't pray, mm -hmm. if yeah. we don't seek the Lord every day, if we don't walk in his presence, if we don't hear his voice, if we're not in the word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so critical these days. Oh yeah. my. At more so than ever. So tell us more about uh, the students of Walter Butler that you did know. Well, um, other than Floyd, I only met his daughter and we went to the campus once just for a worship service. And it was wonderful, of course. Uh, it, it's like a, like a carnival of joy, you know, <laughs> you know just, mm, hallelujah. you know, like the perfect freedom. And I, I felt like God was giving me something that I didn't have before that. Yeah. You know, like I, I just had Pentecostal tradition before that. Mm -hmm. And Pentecostal tradition sometimes can be a thing of, okay, I have tongues, I speak in tongues, so I'm filled with the Spirit. But what does it really mean? You know, it, like, and when you read people like T. Austin Sparks, have you ever heard of T. Austin Sparks? I've heard of him. He's I've wonderful. His, you you yeah, love yeah. his stuff. He was probably a little after Andrew Murray, but maybe maybe concurrent with him. But T. Austin Sparks, he he was an influence on, on Leonard Ravenhill and Dave Wilkerson. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. And he was a great man of presence. Mm. And he talked about this. He talked about what it means. Like, um, he has a great book called The School of Christ, which you, you'd love if you read it. And it's not a quick read, even though it's a short book. It's, it's the shortest book and the hardest read you'll ever read. Mm. <laughs> because as you read it, you feel like the Holy Spirit is just pounding at you in the spirit saying, will you surrender? Will you surrender? Will you surrender? Yeah. And, and he talks about how that if you really want to be with Jesus, he requires nothing short of everything you have and everything that you are. And so he defines being filled with the spirit as being possessed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I later on, you know, I made the connection cause I'm a connector, but Years ago, I said, hey, Dave Wilkerson said that once. He must have got it from Joseph Sparks, that to be filled is not just speaking in tongues. It's not just prophesying, but it's because anybody can do that. But can you be possessed by the Holy Spirit? That's really being filled. Yes. Mm. Yeah. For sure. So did you know Wade Taylor? 
he was yes he was a wonderful to man <laughs> thin dark kind of darkish hair and he had like almost like a 1950s look to him <laughs> and uh just a, a lovely man of god and i'll never forget um the sermon he shared when he was with us uh, he might have been with us more than once but the, the one time he shared he asked one simple question and it really hit us between the eyes the question was this are you more like the tomato or are you more like corn and so you know we're looking at him like he has four heads <laughs> and uh so so uh i'm saying what do you mean what do you mean so he starts talking about how corn matures he says corn matures by being part part of the stalk you know by being part of the of the main vine and you only mature as you are attached to christ he says a tomato matures when it's detached by itself on the counter wow. and, and far too many christians are maturing uh but not in a healthy way because they're, they're not attached to christ Mm. And, and and they have great morals and they have great christian ethics and 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 they're they're great protestants but they don't really know jesus wow yeah so you know so you can see how that's a powerful message mm-hmm. but there were others we knew though that that you probably never even met brother vitello was a missionary who had the same kind of heart as a wade taylor and he's he's with the lord now but he was the kind of guy that he um he knew god's heart and he walked with God and he like he, he met my my big Rottweiler once and he says, you know what, your Rottweiler has a very sweet spirit. <laughs> and, and and he would do an altar call and he would he would just about whisper his sermon in humility. But when he did when when he did the altar call, he, he didn't really have to do one. Before he was finished preaching, people would just start walking to the altar and weeping before God. Wow. Which is you don't see that anymore today. You know, um, it, it's a lost thing, and I, I, I weep when I think of it because because today, it's about closing the deal and just say that prayer, and you're you're all set, mm-hmm. and just you know take a few classes and just welcome to the life. And God is not always the center of it. Uh, sometimes Christian culture is the center of it, but not God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we shift that? Revival, 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 outpouring. Yeah. Outpouring. That's exactly it, and it's it's his presence. It's his presence is compelling in itself. Right. When God shows up, uh, like C.S. Lewis once said that that when things are shaken, that's a great sign of his presence. Mm-hmm. That he's moving about, man. When things begin shaken and we become disoriented, watch out because God is there. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of things shaken right now. It's true. Oh, and yeah. everything that can be shaken is being shaken, being shaken right so now. that that which cannot be shaken will remain, which right. is his kingdom. And bring on the shaking. You know, I've, I've right. said, Lord, start here, right here in me. Right here. Start in me. Shake off everything that doesn't look like you so that you can shine through me. Right. And, and, and why does he do that? Because that way, like Abraham Heschel, who was a great rabbi, he said, Job's faith could not be shaken because it was a result of already having been shaken. Mm. So God shakes us so that when we get shaken again, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, been there, <laughs> done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah, you know, I, I like I, I know who God is now in this. I, I know He's with me. So yeah, maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I struggle, but I'm not going to be destroyed. I get it now. Yeah, it's true. I I remember, I don't know how many years ago, I just started saying, you know, I have walked with God long enough that I fully trust him. I've never, I, I have no fear that he's not going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. He's always yeah. been there. Why should he not show up now? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's proven himself to me. And that's one of the things that um, 
uh, I think T. Austin Sparks says over and over, only believe. Mm-hmm. But to get yeah. there is not easy. I, I think we have to we have to be put through through his school first. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to be to the point where, where our hearts are so released, where we say, "Okay, Lord, I'm not going to worry anymore. This is your problem." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that doesn't happen overnight. You know, nope. Nope. No, no. I, I remember we were on a plane. To, I'd been saved about three years, I guess, and we're on a plane going to India, and I had uh, Reese Howell's book, Intercessor. Oh yes, yeah. and Wonderful. I was you know the first. I don't know how far I got into it. And I had to put it down. It was it was too much for me at that time. <laughs> too intense. <laughs> I wasn't prepared yeah. for how intense it was. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's all it's all about being all in for God. Yeah, right. let the flesh die. You know, and there was also John Hyde. Oh, yes. I was trying to read that book while he was reading, <laughs> reading yeah. Reese Howells, and I couldn't go very far either. You guys like pain, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> but And, of course, the uh, uh, I think one of the finest teachers on prayer is E.M. Bounds. Hmm. He wrote eight books on prayer. Wow. And he, he talked about um, preaching that kills. Like, that was one of his chapters. The preaching that kills is prayerless preaching. Oh. And he, he would just go on and on about this. And, and you were so convicted when you read it that you're like, Lord— Am I saved? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and uh, but the way he, he he was probably the most articulate communicator about prayer. So check out E.M. Bounds on prayer. Uh, I, I have all of his eight books on my Kindle, and I I've loved them for the years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's tremendous. Mm-hmm. So you did a a series of podcasts recently about solitude. Yes. Tell us a little bit how you got that message into your spirit. Well, um, naturally, I am an introvert, so it was a little easier for me to write it than if one of my close friends, he's an extrovert, he probably couldn't write this, or this this series of podcasts, but I felt God calling me to this place of doubling down on my prayer life mm-hmm. and being with him. So I set, I set apart a separate room in my house that, it's a guest room, but I said, that's my prayer chamber now. So this January, I, I said, Lord, more than ever, I'm going to really get 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 into this place and just find you and so it was born out of that and and the idea that that there are seasons where sometimes we must walk alone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are seasons where where god has to get us alone because that's where he does his deepest work in us but unfortunately in the flesh we think that solitude means loneliness or separation or rejection but that's the opposite Mm -hmm. solitude here means to be complete in him Mm -hmm. and to be with him and, and sometimes God has to get us alone, like in Genesis, uh, I think it was 32, it says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. But sometimes, uh, and this is harder for extroverts, because extroverts are always like, have to be out with people. And I, I admit it's easier for people like me, and, and I, I'm assuming you guys are probably a little, have that side of, you know, introversion, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I certainly um, do. So it's easier for us to, to you know, so I, I don't criticize the extroverts, I just say, hey, uh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> but but solitude is is it's where we get to know God, and it's where we really decide whether or not we're going to follow Him in that place. You know, you know, Moses spent forty years in the desert alone with God. Paul spent three and a half years in the desert learning about God. Jesus snuck up into the mountains to pray, and he spent he spent time in the desert being tested of God. And when we say solitude, you know, we, we don't mean being alone, but we actually mean unplugging from all of the stimuli in the world, mm-hmm. because there are too many things happening that drain us, and that steal, you know, that steal our attention. So, so you know, so in that solitude, we face ourselves, 
And often when we pray, we see the things that the Holy Spirit says, I don't like that. I, I want to change that. Will you surrender it to me? But we also wrestle with God because often our flesh says, well, I don't want to give it up. <laughs> you know, and, and but how many, you know, you, you know that God always wins in the sense of uh, you can't fight him. Um, he lets you wear yourself out until you say, okay, Lord. <laughs> yes. And I, I don't mean to jump all over the place, but um, another book came to me because I think in this way, but a great book, if 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 you're listening to the podcast and you like Deeper Life, uh, read the book called Union and Communion by J. Hudson Taylor, mm. who was a missionary to China. And it's all about the Song of Solomon, and it's all about intimacy with God. Because what hit me is, and, and I learned this in solitude, that the Shulamite woman, she she resists her, her lover, Solomon, through the whole book, if you read it carefully. But she kind of says, my beloved is mine, and I'm his. So in other words, like Jesus and Taylor says, she claimed him fully, but she would not give herself fully to him the way we often do. And so by the end of the Song of Solomon, though, she's coming out of the wilderness and says, who, who is this? He doesn't recognize her. Who, who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Yeah. And finally, finally, she says in, in chapter eight, now I am my beloved's and his desires towards me. Mm. So, so her claim was that she is first claimed before she claims him. And to me, that's that solitude, that's that's knowing God is saying you have the, the primary place, you're everything, and everything is lesser than who you are. Amen. So this this place of intimacy that you have been seeking after and running after in for years now, probably decades, right? Yes. Every time you make a decision to to follow, to follow, to follow. Have the, has there been a, a time in your life, in your ministry, where uh, you were confronted in, in, like, maybe it was a dark moment in your ministry. How did your your passion for the Lord and your dedication to Him, uh, may, maybe that was part of your wilderness. Uh, did you have an experience like that? Absolutely. Um I, well, I have more than one. Uh, you know, you you know, you could pick one if you'd like. But <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us do have more than one. <laughs> um, and and one is enough, I'll tell you. Um, but what I went through once where um, it was so dark that that I said, Lord, the only thing I could pray right now is stand. That I'm going to mm-hmm. stand, knowing that you're there. I don't feel you. Um, I don't sense your presence, but I know that you're there. Because so often when we pray, we don't feel His presence. That's a fact. True. And if my goal is always to get this feeling, then I'm missing the whole point, because we walk mm-hmm. by faith, not by sight. Yeah. Right. And so, so this is, and this to me is the treasure in the desert that you discover. You know, in the desert, a bucket of of water is way more valuable than a bucket of gold. Very true. And and and, and this yeah. treasure is, is is this truth of Lord, I don't feel you, I don't see you, I have no prospect here, I, I have no. I feel no hope right now, but I know this, you're going to come through because you've been here before and you'll never leave me or forsake me. And that to me is is the truth in the darkness that breaks through everything else. And before you know it, the clouds lift. It's a point. Yeah. It's true. It's yeah. true. It's like, it's like James 4, 7 that says, submit yourself to God, mm-hmm. then you resist the devil and he'll flee. Right. So many right. times we're busy trying to resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil, but we haven't submitted to God, so it doesn't work. It's true. It's true. And and there's this order we have to have, right? The divine order that first mm-hmm. God first, and then okay, now now you have the authority to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? You know, uh, a friend of ours from Iran, Kamran Yeri, he has this wonderful experience with the Lord. Jesus is his mentor, personally, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he was a, he was a devout Muslim. Yeah. Devout mm-hmm. Muslim. Yes, yeah. and he came to the Lord. But one of the things that the Lord said to him was, Kamran, I'm the first and the last. If you don't put me first, it won't work because... Mm-hmm. Oh, what it's was, contrary to my yes, nature. because it's contrary to my nature. Yeah, I've never forgotten yeah. that. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people from Middle East descent often get visions and dreams. Yeah. Because... That works for some reason. That works, and man, they get saved right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what's happened with him. He he mm-hmm. had some personal visitations, and mm-hmm. and wow, he's an amazing man. Amazing man God's yeah. really mm-hmm. using him. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, put God first. Yeah. He's the, mm-hmm. If if we don't put Him first, the first thing in the day, it's like there's there's this story of of uh, a teacher that has a jar, and he puts these great big rocks into the jar and then he asks the students is this is this jar full and they said well yeah kind of and then he puts some more smaller rocks in and <laughs> and then he says, is it full now well maybe and he puts some more um then he puts some sand, sand in, in. Yeah. and and then he puts some water in and he says is the jar full now and 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 they said yes and and uh, so he says so what's the moral of the story and you know they're they're all bright and they're coming up with their ideas of of you know you got to fill this thing up and and he said that the important thing is that you put the big things in first <laughs> and and because yeah. if if you fill it up with water you'll never get all those other things in there you have to put things in in a certain order you have to yeah. put the big thing and the big things are your relationship with your father yeah. right. It's, right. It, it, it's family. It's family, right. and and he's our father first. Mm-hmm. So he's sure. he's the part of our family that we put first because we won't even relate to the rest of our family members if we don't have a relationship with him. Right? It's not it's not mm-hmm. fully successful. Yeah, you can love your children and you can you can be a good parent, but to me, if your if your life with the Lord, if you if you're not practicing his presence you're missing something and you can be all those other things but if you don't start your practice you know even before i open my eyes i'm talking with him in the morning right same here (laughs) there's a psalm that talks about those who stand by night in his presence Mm -hmm. and so there's this constant thing like even between dreams you can sense his presence i'm convinced of that yeah and you can hear his voice and one of my strong prophet friends who he has a prophetic ministry he says that the best time to hear his voice is usually when you're half asleep because then you're not thinking. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, true. It's you know, true. Your, your logical brain is off, so God can actually do something with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's in that, that early morning time. For me, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's what works. Other people, mm-hmm. they get it in the nighttime, yeah. they're night owls or whatever. I can do one or the other. Sometimes I do both, and it, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, you got to rest sometime. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I'd like to ask you if you would give our listeners something to do before they put their heads on their pillows tonight to help them to get into this place of the presence, this passion for the Lord, to go deeper. I would challenge anyone hearing this that whatever is hindering your life from the presence, whatever is keeping you from the presence, whatever is is holding you back, that you take it to God and say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you by faith. 
and I say by faith because sometimes if these things are bondage or sin or something, we you know we don't have the power to give up because we're weak. Then we have to pray that prayer by faith and say, Lord, I'm too distracted or I'm binge watching too much or I'm you know too busy. Go to the Lord and offer yourself to Him and say, Lord, I can't do this because because that that was the second uh, one of the second lessons in the School of Christ by Joseph Sparks. He said, once God shows you the price you got to pay. Then the Holy Spirit comes and says, you can't do this, but I can. Yeah. And so I want to challenge everyone to say, you know, to, to do that. Say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can and you will by faith. Amen. Would you pray for our listeners? Yes. Lord, I'm so honored to just share with some dear friends and, and saints all over who, who know you. Lord, I, I, I long for the day where there will be another outpouring of your presence uh, not not just cold emotions that, that just don't lead anywhere, but people that are so filled with your presence that they would win the world for you, that they would just touch, they would go to the grocery store and, and, and change the atmosphere just because they are there, yes. because your presence is in them. Lord, we want to see that. We want to see that. We want to see a breakthrough in, in people's lives. I thank you for global outpouring and what you're doing in the world. And I, I, I pray, God, that you prosper the journey that you bless them and that you strengthen everyone who heard today and help them to find you in a deeper way because we know that there is no end to the well that is you, Lord. Yes. That we can spend a million lifetimes searching for you and we would only begin to have a thimble's worth of who you are. Yes. So we thank you for, for that hunger and I pray, Lord, set somebody free today to do this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lou, for being with us today. And we just encourage our listeners to go out to soul02.com, S-O-U-L-02.com, and listen to some more of our brother's wonderful teaching. He's got short podcasts, usually. Um, I think most of them are 15, 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, you'll just enjoy drinking from this well. Yes. And uh-huh. we just bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence. <laughs>